as I was praying this week saying, okay, Lord, what is it you'd have me to share? What would you have me to speak? Because we're, again, in a bit of a different place. It, it would be very easy for me to say, you know, we'd ch- chosen a book or a study that uh, we were going to go down this road and, and that's what we're going to do, but I, I just couldn't take my heart there. I felt like the Lord was speaking to me very specifically about looking at the different times that we're in for this season. So as I was praying um, this week and, and just really seeking the Lord, my, my heart was to go through the book of Romans, to get started in the book of Romans. And, and as I was praying, the Lord reminded me of a book. And sure enough, I, I looked over on my bookshelf and I, I found a book that we did a Bible study on a couple of years ago called Thriving in Babylon. It's written by Larry Osborne. Um, I actually have a couple of copies if you're interested. But um, over the course of the next four weeks, I think that's an eight or ten week study, over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to look at the story of Daniel and um, look at this material maybe from a little bit different perspective. Um, this study of Daniel, again, we did this uh, maybe two years ago, I think it was, on a Wednesday night. So it may look a little familiar to some of you. Um, but obviously, if we did it a couple of years ago, that was before the virus, it was before the lockdown, it was before the pandemic, it was before this fear, it was before the death of this man in Minneapolis, it was before the riots that took place in Fargo. I heard that there's rioting even going on in Bemidji. Um, and we know that this stuff is is going across across the country. We went home from work one day three or four months ago, and it seems like we came back and you should be hearing the Twilight Zone music. Like, how did how did we go from? you know, January in life is normal to here we are in April heading into June and we don't even recognize the patterns of our life anymore. Things have, have changed so much it seems like. And even here in Detroit Lakes it doesn't seem like this it seems like you know we're we're rural country. This this was not affected. Yeah, this has no effect on us and yet it has had an effect on us. We start looking back. Maybe you don't do this, but we start looking back at times like this and you kind of reflect on the good old days. Has anybody here used the phrase the good old days in the last month, month and a half in relation? Well, you know, back in the good old days, we actually threw, we had so much toilet paper, we threw it on trees, you know, when we were, back in the good old days. When we think about Daniel from the Bible, certain images come to our mind. For many of us, uh, we think of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. Uh, He was, uh, King Darius had appointed Daniel as second command over Babylon. He found himself facing 120 angry leaders. They were called satraps. And they put a plot out to kill Daniel. Daniel was a man after God's heart. Every day Daniel uh, uh, knelt down and he prayed to God. He prayed three times a day. He was, he'd pray in his window. People knew what he was doing. And so somewhere along the line these angry rulers convinced the king to sign an edict that stated that anybody who prays to anybody except him 
Anybody who does not pray to the king should be killed, should be punished, should be tortured. So for 30 days in Babylon, everyone was only allowed to pray to Darius, not any other human, not any other god. Of course, you know that Daniel prayed three times a day. He continued to pray three times a day. And when Darius was told, then as kings will do, they decide they have to stand up for their word and be right. And so against his better judgment, he had Daniel thrown into a a lion's den. And we know the following morning, Daniel was pulled out of the lion's den without a scratch. People think that this is, this is normal almost. We, we think, well, we're going to go into the lion's den. The reality was this is not normal. It was a very extraordinary situation. Daniel came out unscathed. We, we tend to think, well, if I do it exactly like he did, well, there's no exact because God was accomplishing a, a task, a, a plan. He had part of a plan there. For many other people, we think of uh, the mention of Daniel. We kind of think of prophecies and end times details. And Daniel had some very bizarre dreams. You read through the book, yet the complexity and the accuracy of his book is almost mind-boggling. Scholars try to make sense of these prophecies, and when they do, they start with timelines that go over here in charts and graphs and fine print and lines that go here. And we got to go to this book. We got to go to that book. And Looking at all of that stuff, we find a bunch of predictions about second coming, which is all very, very interesting and intriguing, and we know what's going to happen, but until it happens, it's kind of speculation. We don't really know exactly how that's going to lay out. doesn't mean that we shouldn't read the book of Daniel for its prophecies. Of course we should, but we've got to be careful about how we try and make that all fit together. Our wisdom, the Bible says, is foolishness to God. But in his book, Thriving in Babylon, Larry Larry Osborne uh, makes a case that the theme of Daniel is not really about lions or prophecy, but the theme of the book of Daniel is about Daniel living in Babylon. Babylon was a very wicked and a cruel and probably one of the most ungodly cultures in the history of humanity. And I think one of the reasons that the Lord has prompted me to go down this road with us is because if we look around, we don't really live in a, in a godly culture anymore. We say we're a godly culture, but we're really not a godly culture. We say that we're a nation that follows after, that we're a Christian country, but we don't really behave like that, right? When people are left to their own vices, things like last night in Fargo show up. Uh, One reporter said, uh, it's bad here in Fargo, but we're watching stuff in Minneapolis, and we can see that Minneapolis is like Fargo on steroids. The chaos that's going on. The anarchy that's going on is what it is. It's lawlessness. And so Daniel is, the book of Daniel is about him living in a godless nation. It's about him living and and it's not, it's not so far-fetched for us to say, what happens if our nation, if this carries on? What happens? I mean, how are we going to, how are we going to live our lives? We know that the Bible says in the last days, it's going to get crazy, right? Anybody ever read that? Everybody heard that? Times are going to change. There's talk, we talk about in the last days where it takes a wheelbarrow load of money in order to get a loaf of bread. 
right? You're all looking at me like, where is he going? This guy's not preaching. He's been on the hay wagon too long. We don't live in a in a godly nation. There's willful godlessness around us. In the past couple of months, people have dealt with the fear of this virus in such ways that it's just outstanding to me. People on top of each other, domestic violence has increased. We've got state government and government rules and regulations. You actually see people being punished for trying to open their businesses threatened with removing their licenses, churches getting fined for having services, uh, and then um, the looting that went on in Minneapolis the other night, they were talking about people looting, and one reporter on a, on a uh, national channel said, uh, was asked, and he said, well, most of these people won't be punished. How could they punish somebody for, for going after it? They're just, they're, they're following their civil this is a civil uh, uh, uproar. How can, they, how can they punish people? We can punish them for going to church or we can punish them for, for cutting hair. You know, if Nat wants to cut my hair before tomorrow, you know, she could lose her license. We'll punish them for that. But some of the disobedience that goes on around us, it's crazy. It's crazy. Daniel's deal is, that the thing about Daniel is his reaction to the godless culture is so counterintuitive. It's not, he doesn't deal with that godless culture the way most of us would think we would deal with it. He's dealing, at, dealing with wicked leaders, evil co-workers, godless culture, and his response is actually hope and wisdom and humility and truth. You know how many times we don't want to act in hope and humility and wisdom and truth? We kind of want to get on our own high horse and say, if you just listen to the word of God, well, you can say that. But we really need to rely on the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us through each response. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit for that. His response, honestly, when you read through the book of Daniel, he, he responds so counterintuitively that most spiritual leaders certainly wouldn't respond that way. And I got to tell you, I look at how he responds and think that's not my first inclination either. And the reality is each one of us over the course of the next weeks and months and years will be dealing with our own sort of Babylon because we're living in a godless culture. Watch TV for 10 minutes. You could say, well, I don't believe all this stuff is going to... Just watch TV. No joke. No joke. The other night I'm watching a, a, a... I don't know what I was watching. And a commercial came on. And on this commercial were women standing there grabbing each other in the breasts. And I'm like, what is going on? And it was a commercial for a new TV show. And I'm thinking, this is bizarre. I, I, I don't even believe what I'm seeing. It's just a commercial. Because I think I was watching some kind of racing. So I don't know how that came in there. But the first part of this series, we're going to do a four-week series looking at how Daniel responds in Babylon, how he lives in Babylon. And 
today we're going to talk primarily about the, the background to it. The second part of this series, we're going to look at how we remain hopeful um, when there's opposition to a holy life. Do you believe that we'll face opposition to a holy life? Have any of you faced opposition to living a holy life? Have any of you been sure? You try to do what's right and people will oppose that and that's just going to get worse as time goes on. The third part is in the series is going to be focusing on creating credibility in our own lives, creating credibility with unsaved people. And the last part we're going to look at is being wise and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit and perspective. So this morning is just going to be setting the stage. I'm going to give you in the next five or six minutes a thousand-year history of Israel. Already, you ready to put on your seatbelt and, and buckle up? Because this is important to understanding who Daniel was. It's a long look at Israel's history, about a thousand years. We remember Moses. Okay, so step number one <clears throat> begins with the children of Israel are in bondage to Egypt. There is slavery to Egypt. And Moses comes along, and God uses Moses to set the children of Israel free. Okay, this happens about 1446 B.C. They're in bondage for 400 years, and God demonstrates his power with the ten plagues, right? Remember the ten plagues? Stick with me. I'm just getting started. Okay, I got, I got 900 years yet to go. So God, God sets them free, uses these ten plagues. After having done all these, these miracles, the children of Israel wander in the, in, the, in the wilderness for 40 years because they don't believe God. Isn't that crazy? God sets them free, does miracles, and yet they don't grab a hold of that truth. Joshua then leads the children of Israel and they conquer the promised land in 1400 B.C. At this point, there's no, after this point, there's no human king because God wants to be their king. We talked about that a little bit. Then Israel cries out to Samuel. They demand a king. Even though God was disappointed with Israel for rejecting him as their leader, he grants their wish. Saul finds a man of good standing. His name is, his name is uh, Samuel finds a man of good standing. His name is Saul. He's head and shoulders above everybody else. He becomes the first king of Israel, 1050 B.C. After that, David becomes, uh, David is a man after God's own heart, succeeds Saul. Uh, and during his reign, David makes a promise that his throne is going to be established, or God makes a promise to David, says your throne's going to be established forever. Under David's reign, Israel flourishes. David chooses his son Solomon to succeed him. Solomon receives wisdom from God. David warns Solomon. He warns Solomon. That if you turn your back on God, that God will turn his back on you. That's not just a warning to Solomon. That's a warning to all of Israel, and in fact, is a warning to us, is it not? If we turn our back on God, what does the Bible say? Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father who is in heaven. Do we believe that part of Scripture, or do not, we not like that part of Scripture? We believe that's what the word says, right? Everybody spread out. Are we following along? Are we getting this? Okay. <sighs> so David warns Israel. Israel then sends many, many prophets are sent to warn them because of that very thing. They've turned their back on God. God was angry with their disobedience. And so uh, King Josiah comes along and he does some reforms. But then Jeremiah prophesies that Babylon is coming 
and that the best thing that Judah can do, Israel, that portion of Israel is Judah, the best thing they could do is to surrender and beg for mercy. Babylon attacks Judah in 605. Daniel is among one of those that's exiled. He goes to King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah is what's called a vassal king, which means he's under allegiance to another king. 538 B.C., Cyrus the Great of Persia defeats Babylon and the exiles are allowed to go home. As predicted by Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah said that the children of Israel will be uh, under Babylon for 70 years. So when this takes place, okay, the reason I told you all of that is because Daniel knew that history. He knew how God had worked in his people. He knew that God had, had delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. He knew that story because of the feasts and because of the celebrations, because of the history, because of the way that they shared their history. He knew that. He knew all about that. Daniel, at this point in his life, is 16 years old. He's 16 years old. He's seen as an up-and-comer. He's faithful to God. And he is taken captive in Babylon. And he goes to this this king, uh, Zedekiah, for a while. He's 16 years old. He's old enough to kind of look back on the history of Israel and see the last thousand years. Daniel knows from the from Daniel ends up spending from from age 16 the next 70 years from 16 to 86 he spends those next 70 years in captivity in Babylon spends the next 70 years a captive he lives in a foreign land he lives under a pagan king He returns to Judah when he's 87 years old. We have a a thousand years of Jewish history and because of the culture and the feasts and the history, Daniel would have known all of that. But he's going to spend 70 years in exile and the, the point, I believe, of the book of Daniel is how do you remain godly in an ungodly culture when you know what freedom is, you know what peace is, you know what history, what God has done. Have you ever noticed when our world is about to crumble, we think about it as the evilest time ever? Oh, it's, it's so cr- You know, I remember a song when I was a kid. Um, um, Lord, for my, teach me to take one day at a time. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. Not a Christian song. Um, uh, It's it's pushing and shoving, violence and crime. Lord, you know it's worse now than it ever was. You know it's worse now than then. And I'm thinking, you're talking to Jesus who was crucified for being righteous. You're probably the wrong one to say it's worse now than then. We, We talk about the good old days. How many of you remember, by a show of hands, how many of you remember the show Leave it to Beaver? Some of you don't, okay. Um, how many of you remember, oh, say MASH. MASH was a pretty good, pretty fun show. Um, how many of you remember um, uh, uh, Father Knows Best, right? Dad always had it right. He always knew. I always, Mom always wore a dress. Supper was always ready on time. She always had pearls on, right? 
Oh, the good old days, right? Leave it to Beaver, and old Wally was always trying to help the beef get it squared away, you know. And mom was always there. Everybody's trying to figure this all out. And there's always this great moral at the end of the story. And we remember the good old days. I remember uh, driving into a little, little town in northern Minnesota called Babbitt. And when you drive into Babbitt, as uh, you're coming over the hill and you're coming and you can see all the whole town in one view. It's like this big square and all the little uh, city streets go through and you think to yourself, that's like leave it to Beaverville, man. That is like you could, you, you could take your kid and send him on a bike and let him go any place in town because in about 14 blocks he's going to come to the end. You know, in any direction. That just, it just like, looks like leave it to Beaver. And we tend to when we're going through a difficult time, when we look at our world, we're going, man, just, let's just go back to the 50s. Let's just go back to the 60s. But how many of you know the 50s and 60s were not all that glamorous, right? How would you have liked to have been a black person in the 50s or the 60s with all the racial prejudice? What about all the, the 70s and, and the hippie movement and the drugs and, the, and the, all, all the stuff that went on? There was a lot of evil, Right? Uh, you listen to stories of the 1920s and the 1930s, and you think, "Well, that was just such a would have been such a great era." I think of the I think of the early 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and I think the cars, man, the cars would have been so much fun in the 60s and the 70s. But all the garbage that went along with that. Every here's what I'm saying: every generation has its garbage, right? President Kennedy was assassinated in the 60s, right? He had a brother who was assassinated. There's always garbage with every generation. There's evil. There's no such thing as the good old days. We always remember the good, but we forget about the bad. I, I want to read really quick. I was actually supposed to read this right there and I forgot about it. I have a pastor friend who regularly, regularly remoans, bemoans the moral fiber in our political leaders and our media and our youth. He sees it as something unique to our era. Yet when I read the cultural critique of spiritual leaders long dead, I'm struck by the fact that they said as much the same thing. I remember reading the story of uh, uh, Booth, William Booth, William and Catherine Booth, who were founders of the Salvation Army. And William Booth used to talk about the bars. Little kids, they actually put ladders, put step stools up to the bar so that if a kid could reach the counter, he could buy a drink. That was the only requirement. Five and six-year-olds, as long as they could crawl up the steps. Benny, come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here. You're doing good. It's okay. You're not in trouble. You stand right there for a minute. Okay, stand right there for a minute. Stand there. How old are you? Turn around. How old are you? Five. You're five. Let me, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Let me give you a dollar. Now, wait a minute. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stay here. Stay here. Otherwise, every kid in the place is going to want one. Come walk up here and put that dollar right here. Right there, put it down there. Guess what? He qualifies. Now I can give him a drink. I'll give you the dollar instead. How's that? You go back and play? You're doing a really good job. Go have fun. He, 
He qualified to buy a drink in England in the 1800s. Oh, the good old days. William Booth. William Booth and his wife decided God would, would, would not, could not stand for this. We, we have to do something different. We, we all tend to think that we're living in the evilest of days. But when we do that, when we think this is the worst time ever, let me run a few extra days by you. What about the days of Noah? Noah spent 140 years building an ark. It had never rained. We have no history of rain. And yet he's out there, and people are evil, filled the face of the earth. It was so bad that God repented that he had even made people. God was sorry for that. What about Sodom and Gomorrah? What about persecution of Christians worldwide? What about Hitler? Is today worse than being in Nazi Germany for the Jews? Is is it that bad yet? What about the genocide in Rwanda? Ever read about the genocide in Rwanda? Ever read about what those people went through? Look, if if we're so convinced that this is the worst time in the planet, then we're saying all those other things were nothing. And the reality is, we're not there. Have any of you stood up for Christ and been threatened by being thrown into a lion's den? Hasn't happened to me. I've never even had anybody tell me that I had to renounce Christ. You renounce Christ or else. I've never had that happen. I know that that has happened. It's never happened to me. I've had people standing, (laughs) sitting in the back of the truck at a guy standing there with a machine gun asking me what we're doing and why we thought we should be able to go to a city and build a church. Had that happen. But I was never really threatened with my life over that. It doesn't mean that it's not difficult to live today. It doesn't mean that that diminish that that watching people deny the truth of God's word, watching people not believing in God, watching people uh, diminish church attendance, people who who you hear it all the time, people who have an absolute distrust for organized religion of any kind. It doesn't mean that any of that makes it easier to live today. But what that brief little history tells us is that modern day Christians, there is hope for us in Christ because there have been other times in history that have been worse. It's just that you and I have to figure out how we're going to live through some of this junk that we live in. I've said before, I said earlier, This is one of the craziest times in my life, but it's not one of the craziest times in human history. It's just one of the craziest times in my life. And we have to figure out how are we going to live our life. Daniel's situation, you compare that to ours, sometimes, okay, you might not like this, right? I'm just gonna say that right off. You might not like this. Sometimes when God does a cleansing, he does a purging, he does judgment. Israel was told, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. 
Get it right, judgment's coming. Get it right, judgment's coming. And Daniel, although he did everything he could to be in right standing, Daniel got sucked up in the backwash of that judgment, right? Daniel got taken, I mean, Israel at this point, they all get wheeled off, and and Daniel becomes somebody's slave, even though he did nothing to end up there. Sometimes innocent people suffer with the godly. When God punished Israel, Daniel got caught up in that. He lost his entire culture. You think about it. He lost his entire culture, his entire way of living, even though he hadn't put himself in that situation. And there were many other nobles that were forced to live that same way. Daniel describes the king of Babylon. He describes Nebuchadnezzar in uh, Daniel chapter 2, 3, and 4. He describes uh, Nebuchadnezzar as being hot-headed, murderous, vain, unreasonable, incredibly cruel. Those are the ways that he describes Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar actually took things from the holy temple of God and he placed those items in the temple of their demonic god, Murdoch, intentionally, in Daniel chapter 1, intentionally as a way of publicly mocking the god of Israel. How's our day going? compared to that. Later, Nebuchadnezzar builds a 90-foot tall golden statue of himself as a tribute to his power and his fame and executes anyone who doesn't bow down to it. How's your day going now? COVID's not so bad. Having to stay home is not such a big deal. Um, Daniel's name gets changed. The word Daniel actually means God is my judge. His name gets changed to Belteshazzar, which means Bel's prince. Bel was the title uh, that they gave their demonic god, Murdoch. So now instead of being God is my judge, his name is changed to demonic god's prince. If that's not cruel enough, Larry Osborne in his book, and just so you don't have to explain this to to your kids that are too young. Um, Larry Osborne makes a very convincing argument that due to the fact that we read nothing about Daniel's family, it's not mentioned in Scripture at all, Uh, and due to the fact that he was in charge of um, a lot of the king's harem, that Daniel was made, shall I say, less of a man. Um, How's your afternoon going now? What kind of persecution have you faced so Daniel lived in a kingdom that was more evil than our own he lived a holy life in an evil land he actually Daniel and his cohorts actually had to learn all of the cultic ways of their culture they actually had to study and we find that Daniel is is like graduates top of his class. He had to learn all about magic and their different cult activities. Daniel had to do that. And yet, he still lives a godly life. Here's the truth, folks. Lots of times, we don't know whether our faith is real. I'll go farther than that. I would say on a regular basis, we really don't know the reality of our faith 
until it gets tested. We can say that we're God followers. We can say that we trust him. We can say that we're going to obey him. But you don't know that when you sit in this church building. You don't know that when everything is going well in your life. Oh, I honor God. Well, what happens when you get put into a difficult situation? What happens when the fire is on? Then are we going to honor God? We find out in Daniel's life that his relationship was real. We don't even understand the truth of our convictions until we've had some trials and some persecutions and some tribulations going on in life. If Daniel had stood on the fact that he was circumcised, that he practices the sacrifices of Moses, he was from the lineage of Abraham, and he's right, he can receive all of God's blessings because of that. If that's what he's standing on, then the odds are he's going to get bitter when things go bad. If you, if you tell me, well, you know what, I accepted Jesus when I was a teenager, and I went to Bible studies, and I went to camp, and I do Wednesday night, and I go to church every Sunday, and I've been a member of Christian fellowship since, and if that's what your faith is based on, when God God doesn't move in your life or when there's tribulation, we got the opportunity to go, huh, that God's, I tried that church thing, God's not real. You're gonna know the reality of your relationship with Christ when your faith is tested. And I've got one more for you. Are we willing, are we willing to be unjustly treated in order to allow our light to shine for somebody who needs it. Are you willing to be used in that way? I think of Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom who was uh, persecuted by the Nazis. She was a little Jewish girl and the, the stories that, that we read of Corey Ten Boom and the effect one of the guys who tortured her um, as a as a, in a prison camp, uh, actually came to one of Corey Ten Boom's meetings years later, and she recognized this prison guard, and he came up at the end of the meeting, a German prison guard, came up at the end of the meeting and reached out his hand to shake her hand, and there's no way she wanted to do it. And he fi she finally shook his hand, and he said, I just wanted to see if what you said about God is really true. Are we willing to be unjustly treated are you willing to have a neighbor say things about you that is not true in order to bring light into the neighborhood that's a tough thing that's a tough thing are we willing to take that kind of is our faith that strong daniel was that kind of cat daniel said that his, his belief in God was stronger than just the cultural Christianity that we live in. Osborne states that such faith, faith that's based on all the good things that we can do, faith that's based on the fact that I go to church so everything should go right and I read the right scriptures and I sing the right songs and I do all the right things and I tithe, therefore God should do all of this for me. He says that kind of faith is like fool's gold. While, it sh while shallow, pleasure-seeking faith might fool you or others, 
that your attitude towards God is really not holy, and it will not fool God. Daniel's tribulations were not meant to break him, but rather his tribulations were there to display his righteousness to a nation that was unfamiliar with God's light. Are we willing to be wronged in order to show God's forgiveness and be a true light in a fallen world? That's a tough, a tough thing. We're taught in Christianity for years, we have been taught that if you just say the right things and pray the right things, you go to church on the right day and you do all those things right, that God's going to God's gonna bless you. This is the way it goes. It, it's, you, you add sugar and you add eggs and you add salt and you add cocoa and you got cake. So you had Sunday and you had Wednesday and you had worship and you had prayer and you had Bible study and you've got, you've got a blessed life that's never going to see any troubles. Hogwash. That's not what Scripture shows us. Sometimes through the greatest injustices is when God's glory shines the brightest. Right? That being said, are we willing to be part of the great injustice? That's a tough thing. It's easy, to fuse, it's easy to confuse our good intentions with genuine faith. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I have, so I can say it. You, you look in the mirror one day, and you go, you know, this COVID thing, what was it? You're either going to come out a monk, a drunk, a chunk, or a hunk. Still not a drunk again. Um, monk, probably not going to make that status. A hunk. But the chunk thing I kind of qualified for. So my guess is as soon as the gyms open up, there are going to be a lot of gym memberships sold. You know, there's actually a difference between buying a gym membership and using a gym membership. I have bought gym memberships before. And they are really, really great. That card is wonderful. It sits in my wallet. And at 5 o'clock in the morning when I know that I, I got to get out of bed to go and use it, oh, Lord, it just doesn't seem worth it right now. I got a gym membership one time to me and, me and a buddy. Well, we were going we to do this together. We are going to do this together. And I think it was about day three when he missed for the first time. Uh, maybe I missed first. I don't know. And then he missed, and then I missed, and then he missed. And we literally got about, I don't know, six runs, six uses out of that entire gym membership we paid for a whole year. I think I used it six times, honest to goodness. Well, guess what? Sometimes our faith is the same way. Sign me up, God. The preacher had a great service. Sign me up. I'm willing to sign up. I'm willing to walk that walk. I'm, willing, I'm going to do this thing. God, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. And then the first time somebody makes a comment about your faith or the fact that you're going to church or, oh, my gosh, what is the matter with you? They're like, okay, maybe not so much. 
Maybe, maybe not so often. I, 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 don't, I don't have to go quite that often. Or the first time our buddy offers us a smoke or a drink. And what we become, we actually become like the seed that falls on the rocky ground. We spring up right away, but when the trials and tribulations come, when the testing comes, all of a sudden we, we, we crumble, we fail. You're all here, so I don't see you as being crumblers or failures. And for those of you who didn't make it in today, I get it. I'm not accusing you of being crumblers either. But in order to thrive in our own modern-day Babylon, we need more than good intentions and false starts. We need more than that. We need to have a solid relationship with Jesus Christ who produces righteousness in our life. We need... I. I think we, we need to be toughened up. We, we need some boot camp stuff going on in our life. We need to kind of look at our perspective. We need to look at are we going to obey, even when it's counterintuitive, even when it's not the way that we want life to go. I mean, I think one of the first, uh, one of the first things we need to realize is that we need to obey God when he says, do this, even when it ain't. What we, I shared this with our men's group. It was right after we moved into town. I went to buy an a electrical part at a, at a shop in town, and I couldn't convince the guy that he was wrong and that I was right, and I knew what I was doing, and blah, 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 blah. And the long and the short of it is I kind of left there in a huff, and I let him know that I thought he was not very intelligent. Um, thanks, Pastor. <laughs> Great representation of Christian Fellowship Church. Um, and so I, I walked around with that, and I shared that with our men's group, and I said, you know what, I've kind of determined in my heart that I need to go make it right. And so the next day, I went back, and I actually bought a, brought a box of donuts, and instead of just walking in and throwing the donuts on the counter going, hey, y'all really great, thanks for helping me out, I said, can I talk to Tom or Steve or whatever his name was? And I brought in a box of donuts, and I said, look, yesterday I was here. I was in a bit of a huff. Um, I was wrong. You were right. My attitude was terrible, and I want to apologize for what I did. Here's a box of donuts. Y'all can have breakfast on me because I was an idiot. Are we willing to be that guy? Are we willing to be counterintuitive or say, you know, we can just make up an excuse. Well, I just didn't know they changed things from, from 1928, the last time I changed one of those plugs to 19 till now. I, I just didn't know. We can use that excuse. Or we can say we were wrong. Sometimes saying that we were wrong, we kind of trip on that because we don't like to be wrong. But the reality is we're often wrong and we need to admit it. We need to be obedient. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with, with just a little bit of your heart. A little bit of trust goes a long ways, right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I don't submit to him. I've got a crooked path. If I don't lean on him, I gotta lean on me. 
So I'm either serving him as God or me as God. How do you like that? Because that's the reality for each one of us. Who are you going to serve? Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even when you're wrong? Yeah, even when we're wrong. God uses that. Even when somebody else is wrong and abuses us? Yeah, God uses that. Are we willing to walk in that spot that God can use us? Second thing we need to do is we need to keep our perspective. It seems like as soon as we lose a little bit of privilege or we go through a a hard persecution that we immediately lead towards towards hatred we 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 lead towards we tend towards uh, accusation um, we go down a road that is bad immediately uh, Leroy and I have a bit of a disagreement on something and and immediately I think well he he's out to shaft me man he he's out to do me wrong you know he he said he was going to do this and he did that instead I don't know why he did that get a grip church we need to get nobody's just because something doesn't go the way that we thought it was going to go doesn't mean somebody's out to do you wrong sometimes it just means something went a different way that's what it means two by fours were not on sale that day he wasn't trying to rob you we, we got to get a grip on things. We, we lose our perspective. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light, is, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Look, I'll be, I'll be straight up. I'll be honest. I have struggled with the whole concept of us not being able to be in church. That has rubbed me wrong. Not being able to be in a building, that has rubbed me wrong right from the get-go. I mean, I have had to kind of grip my teeth because I wanted to say some things. But I realize that it's just a this is a light and a momentary challenge. This is not life or death for us. Let's serve one another. Do what we can to serve one Do you realize that through this difficulty, through the last, this pandemic, whatever you feel about that, the internet has been used more for the gospel of Jesus Christ than it ever has been to this point in history. Guaranteed. I know churches that have never been online, that are online now, and they've never been able to do it before. Well, guess what? When they couldn't meet together, they figured out a way to do it. These troubles that we face. The third thing is the ability to endure tribulation intensifies each time we survive one of the difficulties. Every time we've made it a little bit farther, we've gone through a little bit more something difficult. Go back to exercising. You, you couldn't do 10 push-ups before. Once you do 10 push-ups, you can make it to 15. Once you make it past 15, you could probably make it to 18. You might not make it to 30 right away, but if you could just do 18, then you could do 19. Then you can maybe do 20. You might need oxygen at 21. But if you keep pressing on, 
You can keep growing. We can keep growing in our faith, but it takes something to challenge that. We need to know that it's real. Scripture says that we can we can serve God through all the difficulties and we can count it all joy. We need to have a confidence in our God that He will, His love, His compassion will endure. We can overcome anything in Him. And lastly, we need to be courageous. You know, you look at every major biblical hero and you will see that every one of them failed spectacularly at some point in their life. Almost every one of them failed huge. So if you had a failure in your life, don't, uh, don't let that be the end of your faith. Let, be, let that be the fertile ground that you're going to plant some seed into and say, you know what, God, I need to grow from here. We're going to look at at this uh, story of Daniel over the next couple of weeks, but I just kind of wanted to set the groundwork for it. And I think the message of this book is really simple. If he can live a holy life in the most wicked nation that probably ever existed, um, then we can certainly live a holy life in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota in the year 2020. Amen? Lord, I just thank you for each person here. I realize this has been a little bit of a different sermon But God, I pray that you would use this over the course of the next several weeks for us to look at how you want to work in our lives, how you want to challenge us, how you want to change us. And God, as we submit to you, as we obey you, as we begin to discover the reality of our faith in a a challenged setting, God, that's going to give us the ability to reach out even more towards the people around us. You're not done with the church. You're not done with us. I pray you continue to to challenge us. Help us to learn from your word and walk in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen? All right, well, bless you. You have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday, if not before.